Hi, I'm Rail Bricker, and I'll be one of your hosts for the Business Excellence Podcast. Hi, and I'm Lindsay Adams. I'm the co-host. And together, we're going to be talking about what makes up business excellence. And we believe that you can never be perfect. All you can be is excellent. And in our businesses and in our lives, we want to achieve excellence. And that's why this is the Business Excellence Podcast. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Business Excellence Podcast. Today with me as usual is my co-host all the way from Brisbane, Lindsay Adams. Hello, I'm delighted to be here. And from London in England, Niels Brabant, who is a keynote speaker and leadership expert and will be talking to us today about business excellence and leadership. Thank you so, Niels, for having me. So so, Niels, thanks so much for coming along today. It's, uh, it's an absolute pleasure to, uh, to have you here with us. Um, we're living in interesting times at the moment. Uh, you know, we're smack bang in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, a number of countries thought they were out of it, and now they're back into it. How is that impacting on leadership in organisations? Well, we saw quite an interesting time indeed. Um, what we saw in organizations so far is that some people were very well prepared for these times. And let's face it, we are talking about remote work, working from home for, I think, about two decades right now. And I think especially in Australia, that has been a topic for decades and decades earlier compared to Europe still. We saw, especially in mainland Europe, many companies who suddenly were hit completely unprepared by this pandemic. And that is only due to the fact that some people and some organizations simply stick to the fact that they said, our leaders say we don't like remote work. Our leaders say work from home isn't really work. And they said we don't need work from home. So they had a very, let's say, small solution or no solution at all in place. And when suddenly they had to implement a solution, of course, prices for equipment go up when they all need it at the same time time it is rather challenging when you have to implement it under pressure and companies that were prepared did way better in the past and let's face it many people now realize that they like to work from home and when certain organizations and uh, i just talked about that in, in, in another podcast as well when certain organizations now say right after the pandemic we already call people back into our corporate office buildings Many people will rethink their jobs. There was a poll by edX, and edX is the largest re remote learning platform we have. It's a cooperation of the MIT and Harvard University. 60% of the people are rethinking what kind of job they want to do in the future, and this wow. is the time of a pandemic. So about two-thirds think, I might do something else in the future. So when... When organizational leadership doesn't adapt to this fact, they will have a significant employee turnover very soon. And that's not the fault of the people. That's the fault of bad leadership. Niels, the, the question there is about remote working. What is the efficiency? I mean, from a leadership perspective, you obviously want, despite challenging times, we want our teams to be as efficient and as effective as possible and part of a team. I mean, the whole teamwork a virtual water cooler is a whole different discussion. But there's been a lot of writing recently about how efficient people have actually been working at home. What's your take on that from a leadership point of view? 
So, of course, we have a lot of writing, a lot of research done at the moment, but we, we had a lot of writing and research done about that before. And you're absolutely right that people want efficiency and people want productivity. One thing we really are missing at the moment with remote work is that a lot of social aspects of work suddenly go missing. And some people miss that because they like to stand at the water cooler and they like to hear about what's going on in other people's lives. But many people also said, well, I have my friends uh, who I can't see at the moment, but that will come back anyway. My friends are not the people who I have at work. These are colleagues. So I'm fine with working with them on a professional level. And I'm always very surprised that the leaders who talk about productivity the most are the leaders who say, oh, we always have a Monday morning meeting. And many of these always every week Monday morning meetings are close to pointless. Or they always have the Friday afternoon meeting because we always had a Friday afternoon meeting. And these meetings normally end with let's get it done as quickly as possible because we, we all want to go home. So the people <laughs> who talk about productivity the most are the ones who ignore the rules in the first place. When you talk about productivity, and we look into the work culture, most people, when they work from home, work more. This is why we face things like Zoom fatigue or suddenly we face, and I published about that by, by myself just a couple of weeks ago in my leadership magazine. This is why we now think about do we face burnout in our work from home environments because people have a bad consciousness. They are not sure if they have done enough. So they work longer than they did ever before. And the next aspect will be do many people really want that suddenly their work environment and their private environment actually merges? So many people who now talk about productivity and working from home, um, we just have to challenge this view from leaders and ask them, okay, is your, is your view really focused on productivity? Or did you just figure out that you can save 50% of the corporate's rent when you suddenly tell them all to work from home and you're not really about productivity, you're about the bottom line, which by the way, is fair enough, that's the job of a CEO or a CFO, but you must not only encourage people, but also give people the right means to work from home. Some jobs will work from home, some jobs will not, and these people will return to corporate buildings. When you don't teach people properly how to work from home productively, then you will have a significant share of people who simply realize, I just have too many distractions. I work longer and longer because I have to uh, catch up with work after the distractions, and that will lead to an enormous amount of overalls after all and, put, and, and to potentially people who burn out at home, and you don't even realize it because you don't see it. So... Yes, productivity, I can see that this might be an issue. But again, when you train people properly on how to work from home, then you will have the right productivity. Also, you will have to accept that some people don't want to work from home and they will be quite happy to return back to their work. So they have a clear distinction between this is where I work and this is where I'm at home and at home it is not work. Niels, can I ask you, can I just follow on from that question quickly? I was interviewing, uh, I was having a chat to an HR director of a company in, in the US recently, and her, her role in HR is to look after the call centers, and that it's a very big insurance company, they have very, very big call centers. And so she said something interesting to me, she said that with the pandemic and telling people to work from home, there was a lot of pushback from the call center staff because most of them were from a lower socioeconomic grouping, didn't have the technology capabilities at home, and the company took a hardline stance that said, um, it's the same as you need a vehicle to get 
to work or uh, you know public transport you know part of your getting to work is having decent internet at home so it's your responsibility to upgrade it and i just thought that was such a bad leadership decision although financially you know with 2000 people in their call center you know to to upgrade 2000 people's internet might have been a, a huge financial cost, but I thought it was a bad leadership decision. Um, so first, you're absolutely right with that. Um, but the main problem about that first is communication. When, when leaders who normally come from a reasonably safe financial place uh, suddenly simply say, oh, you, might, you all must have good internet at, at home, there are, of course, two types of people. When you have people who are able to afford the fastest internet for gaming and the even faster internet for Netflix and suddenly they don't have it for work, then, of course, you can question if that is right. Still, update for you, it is their private decision. It is absolutely invasive to them to say you must have great internet at home to do work. So first, when they have to do it at home and you consider it work equipment, then you have to pay them for it. And suddenly people will maybe step, t take a step back and think, oh, when I have to pay them for it, maybe it's not work stuff anymore. Um, still, what you do here, what most leaders did is they completely missed out on the life situation of people who come from a different socioeconomic background. When you see how many square foot or square meters per person are available in lower income families, you suddenly realize maybe working in a job where you have phone calls six to eight hours a day isn't properly possible because people live in one bedroom or even smaller places, maybe even together with children or other relatives. You simply, and that is the main issue here, you ignore the life reality, tell them to sort it out. You must have internet at home and the comparison between you must have a car to get to work comparing to you must have internet at home to do calls is politely said far-fetched. So, yeah, it's a real, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I, I was talking to a mate of mine in Paris the other day. He does a lot of work with Microsoft. And he mm -hmm. said to me that their productivity had gone up 20%. Yeah. Which is, you know, interesting. Yeah. And as you said, you know, there's a lot of corporations now who uh, they're not going to go back. Or in fact, they're going to go to their landlord and say, we don't need this, this much space anymore. But the, the, the next issue that comes with that, if everybody stays working from home, is the disparate leadership. How, do, how does a person lead when their team is in 27 different locations spread all over the suburbs of the city or the state or the country or, or even the world? So yeah. give us some tips on what, what's a good leader going to do. Yeah. So first, Microsoft is a really good example because maybe you, you, you just saw it online because there was an article published, I think it was by the Harvard Business Review, and they were talking about the Microsoft work from home policy, which simply states offer as much flexibility as possible. So when we look at the Microsoft policies at the moment, it says 50% work from home is always possible. More than 50% of work from home should be or must be agreed with the manager of that department because some work should be done maybe in the corporate building, probably right. due to privacy issues or other aspects. When you allow people to work from home, one thing is very important. You have to start to trust them. And that is something which most managers do not do. I just give you an example. One of my friends who works for a 
mid-sized company. They told him you have to work from home and he had to work from home because the law told them that no one can go to uh, business travel to corporate buildings. You had to work from home. Just by coincidence, and of course, pure coincidence, he receives a phone call about 8 a.m. in the morning with a rather pointless question asking something about work. And by coincidence, he receives another phone call by his senior manager between 4.30 and 5 p.m. What a coincidence. I mean, never, never did that happen ever before on the corporate building. It's an open communication of, I don't trust you. Leaders have to move away from saying, I pay you to sit there for a certain amount of hours, just endure your life being like that, to paying people for productivity and getting the job done. There's a book by Randy Pennington, which was published more than a decade ago. I think it was called Getting Things Done. And you pay people to get the job done and not to sit there for a certain amount of hours. But let's face it, many managers just communicate open distrust, mistrust towards other people because they say, maybe we can put even, work, even more work into your eight hours per day. So what you should do is step number one, you agree what should be done, uh, what, what should be done. That could be done on a monthly basis or on a weekly basis and then you should allow to work then you should allow your teams to work independently and that means they have to be accountable and responsible for their goals very important here is the leaders are accountable accountability cannot be delegated and that brings us to the end of this episode part 1 in conversation with Niels Brabant leadership expert about leadership and business excellence we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Business Excellence Podcast.